Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you Yes, today is Code Sunday, amen? And uh, praise God for that. You know, Lurok was up here. This, that was his first time um, doing announcements. He's a natural. He did a really good job. So let's give Lurok a hand wherever he's at. Of course, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll send him that clip that we honored him. So, so um, that, was, that was a great job. And um, um, today, as we jump into Code 2, we're going to look at it. And it's a special code. It's actually We're Not Normal, as you see it on the screen. If you were invited today, um, and you're a guest here, and a family member, a friend invited you, um, there might be a purpose in that. And it's because they wanted you to hear that you're not normal. And um, so it's always good to hear that, that you're not normal. Ever felt like you're just not normal? Ever felt that way? All right, all right good. You're in good company then, because I feel that way very often. And uh, I have people dear to me that always remind me anyways that I'm not normal. Um, I want to share something before we get into the message today. We've been working hard and there's a team behind this and I'm so grateful for this team. It's a team that has um, been stirred in vision to create and put something together to be able to share the heart of God in conversation in a way where maybe it's not common in church to do it, um, to have very honest and open conversations and record them so that people could see them. Maybe you're into podcasts or you're into video podcasts and you listen to a few people that you follow, as I know I do, and um, especially the video podcast, it's good to see and put a face and a body to the voices. At our church, we are launching this Friday, maybe on social media, you've seen it, where we have been teasing it, and we've been putting what is called shorts, Um, but this Friday, we're launching our first podcast here from Nest Church, and what I mean by, amen, you could give God some praise for that, and as we give God some praise for that, it's also honoring the team that is involved in putting all this together. We, let's just give them a hand um, for putting all this together. Um, from Debbie to Lou, who's not here. Lou's in, pray for your brother, Lou Palacios. He is in Los Angeles working for one whole month. So he's not backsliding, and he's, <laughs> he's working for a whole month. So text him, hey, we've been missing you. How's LA doing? Um, I was able to FaceTime him yesterday just to make sure he's doing well. So that's where Lou's at. But Lou's part of the team. Rudy's part of the team. Uh, Miho is part of the team. Our fearless leader, James, is part of the team. We honor him. Um, we're just grateful. Did I forget someone, Deb? I think we got everyone there, right? Yeah. Ru- I said Rudy. Rudy. So we're just so grateful for them. And uh, so this Friday, um, pay attention to our YouTube um, subscribe if you have not subscribed. I wonder if, if some of you have not subscribed yet to our YouTube. Do that. Do that. Um, it, it gets more people to, uh, to see our stuff and to see these amazing interviews that we're doing. So the first one's going to be amazing. It's going to be based on Mother's Day. 
and on special needs. Maybe you have a child or know someone with special needs. You're going to hear from my very own sister, and that's going to be real, raw, uncut. It's going to be just a very, very um, powerful time um, within that podcast. So get ready. Get some tissues ready. You could really feel the, the Holy Spirit and just God move through that, through that podcast. Amen? Excited for it. This Friday, it looks like it'll be around noontime where we're going to be launching it. So uh, be ready for that. Subscribe. Yesterday, I got a text message. My son had a birthday party like a month ago at a, at a location, actually close by, amazing people. The owner is an amazing individual. And he texted me yesterday, and I said, oh, I wonder what happened. Maybe I left something there from a month ago, and he's calling me. And he says, hey, when you get a chance, I saw you haven't done it yet. Can you please put in a review on our page um, you know, it, it really means a lot to our company, you know, that, that we get a, a lot of reviews. And I said, oh, man, yeah, absolutely. So I, I wrote a review, and I said, hey, check now. It should have, um, it should have gone through. And he, he said, yeah, I went through. Thank you so much for that. So, so put a review in, even in our church. Why? For that, so that it could spread. There are people that are here that what they did was they went to Google. They put church by me, and this church popped up. They found our church, or they scrolled and looked at a few churches, and they picked this one, and they've stayed here. So this is, an, this is a great opportunity for more people to hear about us. So if you have not subs- uh, subscribed to YouTube, do it. And if not, go online on Google and, 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 and write a review on Nest Church. What do you guys say? Think it's a good idea? I think it's a great idea. All right. All right, look at that person next to you and say, you are not normal. <laughs> yeah. How did that feel? You've been dying to say it to them. You've been dying to say it to them. Look at the, go, all right, now take turns because if I tell you to look at the person behind you, you're going to look at the person's back of the head. So, so say it quickly to the person behind you, turn around and let the person in front of you tell you, you are not normal. All right, do me a favor. All of you look up, up here. Whoa, this is close. All of you look up here, look at me, and now tell me you are not normal. All right, I receive that. Amen. I receive it. You're, you're not speaking bad against me. You're not, uh, you're not, you're not, uh, I receive it, okay? I receive it. You're not normal. Write that down in your notepad and whatever device that you take notes, write down, we are not normal. But you see, when I say we're not normal, it's not an excuse to live recklessly. When I tell you you're not normal, it doesn't just say, I'm not just telling you, though you may be, I'm not just telling you you're weird. No, you may be. Though we're not normal, okay? Though I'm telling you we're not normal. I'm not telling you like, hey, you always stick your foot in your mouth. I'm not telling you these things. When you're not normal, I'm telling you, and I want to encourage you, I want to strengthen you, I want to empower you with the word of God, that when we say we're not normal, it's a call to be remarkable. I'm not normal. You're right. Thank you. I'm actually pretty remarkable. You could say, well, that sounds kind of prideful, man. You need to humble yourself a little bit. Let me ask you a question. Is the spirit of the living God living inside of you? How in the world are you normal then? If the spirit of Christ lives in you, how are you normal? How do you live normal and speak normal and treat people normal and If the Spirit of Christ is in you, you probably have had an encounter with someone and they've said to you, what's your problem? What is it about you? 
You speak different. You look different. You act different. You dress different. There's something different. There's this, I don't know, people don't know how to explain it. So they're like, there's this energy. You ever been told you have energy? There's this energy about you. There's this aura about you. You have a cloud over you. And they say all these things because, you know, a lot of them are new age and they don't know how to figure it out. You're not normal. If the Spirit of Christ is living in you, you don't just have an energy. You have the presence of the Almighty Creator that is alive and dwelling in the throne of your heart. You're pretty remarkable when you think about it. Pretty remarkable. So remarkable that out of all the creatures on this earth, out of all of his creations, he says, you're my son. You're my daughter. And he becomes alive in us. Do you know how long I tried to save myself? And I couldn't save myself. I actually would cry and say, Lord, if I die, I'm going to hell. I used to pray those prayers. But when the Lord came to my life, and he took hostage my heart, my life, and he wrecked me, and he, as much as I tried to let go of the towel, as much as I tried to walk away from God, as much as I tried to do the things that God's calling me to do, as much as I tried to dress in different garments and not put on the garments of God, as much as I've tried, even if I've drifted, like last week's message, some, he always has brought me back, and it's because I am a son, you are a son and daughter of God, and no one can strip the salvation so grand and so powerful and so beautiful in your life. If not, his cross is weak and his death was useless. You're going to tell me you're normal? You're not normal. Nothing about you is normal. Nothing about Christ is normal. His life, his death, his resurrection, his reigning on his throne today, none of it is normal. All of it is so remarkable. Today's word is we're not normal, but it's also be remarkable. If you're not normal, then be remarkable. Originally, this whole message took 24 pages of notes. Then I narrowed it down to eight pages. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to split this into two weeks because I want to tell some moms next week that they're not normal. You have a not an unnormal, not normal mom. All right. And you want to tell your mom, mom, you're not normal. You're actually pretty remarkable. And one of my points next week is I want every mom and every single person that comes in here to know that you are able because of Christ. Amen? Not normal. So let's, let's get into this. The word normal, here it is, just in case you did not know. Here's for all the scholarly people. Here's the scholarly definition of normal. Common. Here it is. Conforming to the standard or common type. That's what normal means. It's usual. It's regular. It's normal. Eh, how's your day today? Yeah, it was normal. How's the family? Yeah, normal. Anything new? Normal. Standard, regular, natural. Yeah, it's just average. You're just an average person. You're walking around this earth and you're okay with just being average, normal. No, you know, this earth and those that live in it, they're just going through this one flow. This, it's just, you know, it reminds me, you could tell I'm a father of like Nemo. You know the, the turtle? Crush, I think his name is? We're just swimming, whatever his song is. What's the song? I forgot it. Just keep swimming, yeah. 
and he's in a current just keep, and, he's, and a lot of people are just in that flow. If you look at this world, they're just in a flow of just keep swimming and everyone's going the same direction and life is just going. And then here we are, some amazing, remarkable, not normal individuals and we're like, crush, I'm not trying to go the way you go. And we're going against the flow. We're going against things in this world, the system of this world. We're going against the things that they're teaching us. We're going against like philosophers and governors and presidents and mayors and teachers and principals and CEOs. And we're like, no, that's not what God's called me to. All right, I feel like I'm the only one. So I'm going to drink a little bit of water real quick. Give me a second. (coughs) Lou Rock, you were in the restroom, but we honored you. So now you have to go to YouTube. Subscribe if you have not subscribed yet. And um, watch what we did. All right. You're not normal. So I started to think about this when I, when I first shared this and we were releasing this code. I thought about Paul. And if there's anyone in Scripture that was not normal, I definitely would say Paul was one. Paul was pretty intense before he met Christ and became so much more intense after Christ met him on that road of Damascus. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, he's writing to the church of Corinth. And Paul says something so amazing. And I want you to see Paul's writing. I want you to see what Paul says. He says, for I think that God has displayed us. And he's going to speak about himself and his fellow apostles. He's displayed us, the apostles, last as men condemned to death. I mean, right off the bat, like, well, um... Paul, that's, that's definitely not a normal life. For we have been made a spectacle to the world, both to angels and to men. I mean, Paul is writing, I am a spectacle to angels, as I am also a spectacle to men. I am something to be seen, but I am also very rare on this earth. Not just me, but those that preach the word of God throughout the region with me, these apostles that are rolling with the gospel. We're so rare, watch this, that the Lord has allowed us, men, apostles, to have the honor to be condemned to death, like for his, for his purposes, for his reasonings. He, he doesn't just end there. He says in verse 10 of the same chapter, he says, we are, look at this, fools, I could have said we are fools, but I chose to be nice and say we're not normal. But Paul's very own writing, he says we are fools. Well, if you're going to be a fool for anything, what are you going to be a fool of? There's a lot of things you could be full of and be a fool of. But what are you going to be a fool for or a fool of? Well, he says we are fool for Christ's sakes. For the sake of Jesus, I am willing to be a fool. I'm willing to be looked down upon, persecuted, to the point of death. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are distinguished, but we are dishonored. If you read through the context of this passage, you'll recognize that it's through the ministry of the apostles and through the preaching of the word of God. What Paul is saying is is we've allowed our weakness and our foolishness For the sake of the gospel to become your wisdom and your strength. We've laid our lives on the line 
so that you can live empowered with this word that we're preaching to you. So what Paul is writing to the church is, when, when the Lord changed my life, I signed on the papers. It's like when someone signs in for war or to join the military. I signed the papers. I'm in it to death. And I'm doing it for the sake of Jesus, but also for the sake of his beloved that's on this earth. It is true because there was a time when he says, hey, I want to leave. I want to go to heaven. I want to be with the Lord, but it's better that I stay here with you. Paul writes that to the church. So he had a heart for the church. He had a heart for people. And he says all these beautiful things. Eugene Peterson, in the message translation, I want you to see how he words 1 Corinthians chapter 4. I'll start in verse 9. He says it this way. It seems to me more like in layman's terms today. All right, so you could get an idea of what Paul is saying here. It seems to me that God has put us who bear his message on stage in a theater in which no one wants to buy a ticket. Where something everyone stands around and stares at, like an accident in the street. Well, we know that here in Miami. Where the Messiah's misfits. I like that. I want to start like a gang, like the Messiah's misfits. Like a Christian gang, like Christian warriors. Like, if we're going to be called anything, the Messiah's misfits. Like, I can't think of a dober name than that. You might be sure of yourselves, but we live in the midst of frailties and uncertainties. You might be well thought of by others, but we're mostly kicked around. Much of the time, we don't have enough to eat. We wear patched and threadbare clothes. We get doors slammed in our faces. We pick up our jobs anywhere we can to eke out a living. Guys, this is Paul, by the way. You're like, I know why you do what you do, so you can live a lavishing... No, that's not why he's doing that. He's not making money. He's not living the life. He says, when they call us names, we say, God bless you. <laughs> when they spread rumors... I love that, by the way. Guys, I love the sound of children in our sanctuary. Love it. All right, let's get back to this. When they call us names, we say, God bless you. When they spread rumors about us, listen to this, we put in a good word for them. What is he saying? I don't fight back with the same weapons. If they speak ill, I don't come around, get all like soft on my heart about that and start speaking ill about them. I become a better person. We do better things. We, we don't get down to their level. We bless them back and we honor and we will speak well. We don't go down to their level. That's what, because we're not normal is what Paul's saying. We're treated like garbage. Look what he said. Look at how he puts this. Potato peelings from the, from the culture's kitchen. And it's not getting any better. Thank you, Eugene Peterson, for wording it in such a way that it makes sense to us here in 2023. But you get the heart of it, what Paul is saying. It's not a normal thing. It's, it's it, when God calls us. There's something special about that. When God touches us, and maybe you're here, and you're battling that, and the Lord wants to do something in your life, something remarkable. He wants to take over and, and do something. And are you willing to say, Lord, I surrender so that I don't live this average, common kind of life, but that I could, I could man, just like Paul says, a spectacle. I, I want to read a story, and I want, to, I want to kind of get into this. I don't have the, the time to get into every chapter or to really break down everything, but it's the story of Jeremiah. If you've ever heard of him, if you haven't, then welcome. Let's talk a little bit about Jeremiah. Jeremiah's story is actually a very interesting story in Scripture. It's very easy to find his story. There's a whole book named after him. It's called Jeremiah. 
And in Jeremiah, it speaks something so cool. Jeremiah was a prophet. Let me kind of introduce you to him first. He was a prophet of his time. He spoke the word of God during a time where the word of God was not written. The word would speak to his people through the prophets. They were the mouthpiece of God. When God would speak, he would use the prophets. And the prophets would have to go ahead and bring judgment into the land and bring the word of God into the land during their time. But during this time, Jeremiah was a prophet in Israel and in Judah during a really tough and difficult time in history. I believe that we are also in a very difficult and tough time in history. Does anyone agree with me? Just like Jeremiah was. His was really rough. They had continued to be conquered by different kings, by different nations. So Israel was now split into two peoples, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. There was two kingdoms now. There was a problem, there was division in the land, and Israel became two kingdoms, and they kept getting conquered, and Jeremiah was now to deliver good news to these houses, the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And what he was going to share with them was how the Lord was going to make a new covenant with them. Why is Jeremiah so fascinating? Well, I'll start with this. Because Jeremiah, during this moment, what I'm about to read to you, what we're about to go into, Jeremiah was most likely around 17 years old. Did you hear me right? 17 years old. Not 47, didn't have to go to 20 years of seminary. 17 years old. And the Lord put a seal upon him to be a prophet of the land. And he was to speak God's, to God's people. And how they, would, how they would fall to the Babylonians. And that their fall was not due to any lack of God's part. But he was going to share with them that they were going to fall to the Babylonians due to their unfaithfulness towards God. It's because you are unfaithful to God in which God is handling you over to the Babylonians. And what they were doing during his time was they were listening to false prophets. I wonder if you've ever um, began to listen to false prophets, false teachers. There's a lot out there. They're doing some crazy things from platforms, and they're saying crazy things just so that they could be a friend to sinners. They're doing things that you don't see in the Bible. I mean, it's it's insane, some of the stuff. I wonder if you've ever gave ear to something that was not the Word of God while you thought it was the Word of God, and you have a testimony that says, well, look what it did to me. And that's what Jeremiah had to confront. They were listening to false prophets. They were unfaithful to God. And this is where we're going to kick off at. It's in Jeremiah chapter 1. And I want you to see some of this. We'll go from verse 4 to 10. Then we'll skip and we'll do 17, 18, and 19. Again, for the sake of time. But just so you can get an understanding of this. In Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4. I'll read it to you. Check this out. Jeremiah's calling on his life. Some first visions that he has, and here he is, the prophet, 17 years old. Let's see how this goes. So the Lord gave me this message, Jeremiah. Here he is. 
The Lord tells him, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born. This made sense with what we were worshiping and with the word of Psalm 139, doesn't it? Before you were born, I set you apart. I've appointed you as my prophet to the nations. That's awesome. The Lord is like, in the past, I saw the future. You were in it, and I, um, I already had something for you. <laughs> and you're like, how did you do that? Because I am in the future just as I am with you in the present, and I was in the past. Like, he is omnipresent. Here it is. Oh, sovereign Lord. And the Lord just told him, I've appointed you to be a prophet. And he says back to the Lord, I've had discussions like this with God where I've wrestled with him and I fought with God. And I'm sure many of you have. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, I said, I can't speak for you. I'm too young. I'm just a youth. And the Lord replied, don't say you're just a youth. Don't say I'm too young. For you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people. For I will be with you and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. You know when the Lord says, I, the Lord, have spoken. At the end, he means business. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth. And he said, look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down. Destroy and overthrow others you must build up and plant. I mean, 17 years old, very young, listening to these words. Can you imagine what that does to Jeremiah? I'm going to do what? Go to nations and tear down. How am I going to do this, Lord? And he's like, don't worry. My words are in you. I asked you earlier, I said, do you have the spirit of the living God living in you? And you were like, yes, yes. I said, then you're not normal. Jeremiah, you are the prophet of the land. He's like, no, I can't do that. He says, no, no, no. Yes, you can because you're not normal. I've put something in you. Now, you, you read this and you think, well, this is pretty intense. This is pretty drastic. This is a lot for young Jeremiah. Um, well, I'll tell you what, just for fun. Let's go already to 17, 18, and 19. Look, look what happens. A lot that goes on. Um, a lot that the Lord gives them instruction on and what the people were doing. And we go back to verse, now we go to verse 17. Look what happens next. It says, get up and prepare for action. It's time, Jeremiah, everything that I told you earlier. Go out and tell them everything that I tell you to say. I love that it's not everything that I've already told you, but it's go in obedience and watch my word meet you. You guys understand that, right? Because some of us are waiting to do something, and we're still in the same place because we haven't heard from the Lord. But what happens is you're called to walk in the obedience of it, and then in that walk, you'll start running in and hearing the word of the Lord in it. If not, you'll just stay stuck in the same thing. Well, why are you still there? I'm just waiting for God to speak. I'm like, what? No, go, and God meets you there. God speaks. All right, let's keep going. He says this. Tell them everything I tell you to say. Do not be afraid of them or I will make you look foolish in front of them. For see, today I have made you strong like a fortified city, cannot be captured like an iron pillar, like a bronze wall. You'll stand up against the whole land, the king's officials, the priests, and people of Judah. And they will fight you, but they will fail. I love the story of Jeremiah 
And I love these verses because this is not an invite to a normal lifestyle. God was not moving Jeremiah to be average, to be regular, to have a common life. When you read Jeremiah chapter 1, I want you to really see the heart behind it. In our lives, it's not just about, hey, speak a few times, live comfortable, and everything will be lovely. That's not what we do, and that's not what God was telling Jeremiah. Hey, everything's going to be good. You know, you're going to be all right. It sounds nothing like this in the text. Jeremiah was not common. He wasn't what we would call a standard Christian of maybe our day, a God follower even of his time. He wasn't a standard God follower of his time. He was called to an irregular, non-conformed life. That God meant more than anything. Question, write this down in your notes. All right, only you can answer this. Does God mean more than everything in your life? If the answer is yes, answer that. Then where is he taking you even when it has to go against those very other things that you love? What is he doing with you? What is he calling you to? I love how Jeremiah is in this moment and it's a struggle. Like, Lord, I can't do this. How am I going to speak? And he's like, my words are in you. Go. They're going to try to fight you, but they're going to lose the fight. You're going to go to kings and you're going to go to prince and princes. You're going to go speak before officials, but I'm going to be with you. So you might ask, just for the sake of time, this is what we'll do. We'll do, uh, start in the beginning of the story. And then I'm going to flip all my pages and I'm going to go to, towards the end of the story. In Jeremiah chapter 20, I love how Jeremiah 20 gives us an insight on how it's going for Jeremiah. Jeremiah, you're going to speak to kings, governors, and officials of this world. And Jeremiah's like, oh Lord, this is hard for me to, let's see how it goes. All right, so let's see how it ends up. We are now in Jeremiah 20. We started in chapter 1, fast forward all the way to chapter 20. Check this out if you want to see something fun. Jeremiah 20 says this, and we're going to start off on verse 7. <laughs> oh, Lord, you misled me. How do you think it's going so far? <laughs> Lord, you tricked me. You misled me. I allowed myself to be misled. But no, look what he's going to say. Look at his heart. Look at the understanding of God. He says, you are stronger than I am. You overpowered me. Now I am mocked every day. Your will has been done in my life, God. Everyone laughs at me. When I speak, the words burst out. Violence and destruction. You know what that means, right? When I speak, the crowd say, kill them. It's like a comedian on a show and they're like, throw tomatoes at them. A little bit worse though. Kill them. Destruction. So these messages from the Lord have made me a household joke. But I say I'll never mention the Lord and I'll speak in, or, or, sorry, I'll never mention his name. His, oh man, where am I? But if I say, forgive me, eh, verse 9. But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, watch this, his word burns in my heart like a fire. So Jeremiah is like, that's it. I've been in moments of my life where I said, I'm done. And I'm like, Jeremiah, I know exactly what you're feeling. Have you ever said that? I'm done. I'm done. I'm checking out. 
I'm not serving God no more. I'm not going to church no more. I'm not serving no more. I'm not going to preach no more. I'm, not I'm done. Jeremiah's like, I'm done. I said I'm done. I've said it before. I'm saying it again now. I'm done. And he says, but when I say that, his word burns in my heart like fire. It's like fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. I have heard the many rumors about me. They call me, look at the names they call them, the man who lives in terror. They threaten, if you say anything, we'll report it. Watch his crew. What happened to his group of friends? Even my old friends are watching me. You saw what he called his friends? Oh, friends. What do you think is going on in him? I've lost a few friends, God. I've lost some friends because of this calling. Have you lost some friends because of this calling? Has your circle changed because of this calling? I see some heads nodding, and I'm like, good. You know why? Because you're not normal just like me. You guys nodding your head. Your, your group changed a little bit. The people around you are now said things a little bit different than you. Awesome. Welcome to being not normal. And look what he continues to say. He says, what did I stop off at? My old friends? Yeah. Here it is, verse 10. They're waiting for a fatal slip, my friends. I think I've had some friends in my life. And maybe they are waiting for me to have a fatal slip. Some of them may have sat in these chairs. Here's Jeremiah, and he's like, I'm doing your work, and people are wishing for me to fall, to slip. He will trap himself, they say, and then we'll get our revenge on him. Hey, how do you think it's going for Jeremiah? What a calling. I read this, and I'm like, I don't know, I should go back on this. I read this, I'm like, this is amazing. This is amazing because Jeremiah says, all these things, you know, I'm going through so much, and look at my old friends, what's happened to me, but I have this word of God, it's inside of me, and I can't contain it, I have to speak it, even though every time I speak it, it brings me problems, look at verse 11, but the Lord, all this thing that I just drew out for you, Jeremiah says, all my complaining that I'm giving you, Lord, all the wrestling that I'm having here towards you, verse 11, here it is, here's the revelation, here is the firework, here's the grand finale, here's a beautiful verse, but the Lord stands beside me like a great warrior before him, my persecutor will stumble. They cannot defeat me. They will fail and be thoroughly humi- hum- humi- humi- humiliated, and their dishonor will never be forgotten. What is he saying? The Lord, even though I'm going through all this, fights for me. Come on, church. I want to know if you've gone through it, if you're serving him, if you're following him, if you're not normal, and some things have happened in your life, but you're here today because you have this testimony that remains on your lips, and it's that the Lord has never ceased fighting for you. You know what? Does anyone have a testimony how the Lord has not ceased fighting for you? Who? What is it? Okay, I honor that. Anyone? What is it? Amen. To be in depression and to say the Lord hasn't stopped fighting for me. (laughs) Who else? Who else has? 
He hasn't stopped fighting for you. Good. The Lord has fought because of myself, against myself. I mean, I can relate to that. Those are just crazy people's thoughts. I, I'm same, that's the same thing for me. <laughs> the Lord fights for me against me. I have my worst enemy. Anyone else? Marriage, thank you, Lord, for being transparent. The Lord has not stopped fighting, so He's still married today. Yeah, I didn't want to be married and I didn't want to have kids, and today He's like on kid number seven. <laughs> he's on kid number three. They're planning for like five more, but we'll talk about that later. <laughs> and you're still married. Yeah. The Lord has fought. The Lord has fought. From drugs and gang violence? From drugs and gang violence? The Lord has never stopped fighting. You know, we move so fast in church. Give us the next thing. Give us the next chill so I can leave here and no stop and think about how God has not stopped fighting on your behalf. And be joyful in that and say, thank God. I am here today because the Lord has not stopped fighting for me. I'm still married because the Lord has not stopped fighting for us. I'm still a pastor because the Lord has not stopped fighting. I'm still... Alive, actually, because the Lord has not stopped fighting. The thoughts and the places where they've taken me and the possibilities of what I could do to myself. But the Lord says, no, 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 no. Not when I'm fighting for you. Think about that for a moment. They're out to get me. They're out to make fun of me. I was a joke in every room, in every street corner. They laugh at me. I'm actually called the laughstock of Israel, he says. Some of you are the laughstock of your family, aren't you? So I thought of staying quiet, saying no more, but I couldn't stay quiet. I couldn't. His word in my heart was like a burning fire. It was shut up in my bones. I could not hold it back any longer. I can't be normal. I'm not filled in being normal. God called me to... Not be normal. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, listen to this. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted the Lord is gracious, that the Lord is gracious. He's fighting for you. He's there. He's good. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. This is our God. This is what he's called us to. I'm going to skip. Ready? Skip, skip, skip. Verse 9. But you, everyone say me. Mm, you're not convinced yet. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. You guys saw King Charles get coronated? I didn't because I ain't waking up at 4 in the morning for that guy. But he got coronated at 4 o'clock in the morning. People woke up for that stuff. That's, that's okay. They made this whole procession. I mean, it's beautiful, by the way. I love the tradition of it. I love the building. I love the royals that go and what they're going to wear. I mean, it's amazing. 
but on his, but when his last breath comes, the great question is, is he a royal in eternity? Right now, I don't have a crown to wear on my head, and I don't have a beautiful sanctuary to walk in where people could crown me as King Regal. That, that sounds good, though. I don't have the scepter. You saw how they give him the scepter, and that scepter means, I don't know all the traditions of it, but he has the scepter of a king, the robe. They knighted him. They did all these amazing things. He walked out, and it was like a god walking amongst them. I don't know about that. One day when we come face to face with God, he will look at you. And the crowns will be put on your head. And the procession will start. And the angels will sing. And the streets of gold will brighten. And the music's going to play. The trumpets are going to blow. And he will announce, Behold, my son, call you by name, good and faithful servant as you walk in to the eternal kingdom. It's so powerful, it's so beautiful, it's so amazing, way more than King Charles. That you can't do anything but grab that crown and put it back back at the feet of Jesus and say, it's all yours. You, you be the king of this place. One day, if you are not normal, you and I have to come to understanding that you are a chosen generation You are a royal priesthood. You are royalty. And one day you will be in the royal gates of heaven, in the royal courts before the presence of God. As his royal beloved, you will be a holy nation. Yes, you will. How do I know that? Because the Bible says that the bride will take up the new Jerusalem and kings of nations will come and bring gifts into the new Jerusalem and leave them with Jesus. Who's in the new Jerusalem? The bride of Christ. Why? Because we are a holy nation, a royal nation. Are you with me? That's not normal. So you know what? Your struggle here on earth is worth it if all eternity sounds like that. You are his special people. And all of this is so here on earth you may proclaim, proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You were once not a people. You were once lost and broken. You were once normal like the rest of this world. But now you are the people of God. It's almost as if if Peter is saying, but now you are not normal of God who have now obtained mercy. I mean, what what an amazing scripture this is. Here it is, church. I don't know how I'll say it to you. Write this down. Don't settle for normal. We are actually called to be remarkable. And here is the definition of remarkable. You are not called to anything else but this, to be notably unusual, extraordinary, worthy of notice or attention because of the God that lives in you. That's it. Why not? God lives in us. You are called to be remarkable. So I don't have the word. If you could just type in, oh, there's the word remarkable. Or if you want, take a moment there and just type up the word remarkable big there on the screen and put it up there for a little while. You're called to be remarkable. In that word remarkable, you'll see it's made up of a few, name, a few words. You have the word remark. 
In the middle, you have the root word, which is what? You guys know what root words are? Mark. And then you have Abel. So you have remark, mark, and Abel. You have three different messages in remarkable. The word remark is very important as the Lord calls us to be remarkable, to note again. And this happens through God's grace. And that's what we teach here, that through God's grace, and that's it, there's an again in you, that the Lord can be remarkable today. Oh, but I have a past, but I have a sin. I love what she just said, gang, and all these different things. I have so much stuff. And I say, yeah, but has the grace of God, has it done something in you that now you could be remarkable in him? And Peter is one in the scripture who had many slip-ups, many mistakes. In Luke chapter 22, verse 33, he says, Lord, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you even if I die with you. He says things like that just moments after he's cursing a storm. He's denying Jesus in the courtyard while Jesus was arrested. I mean, you could look at Peter's life and say, come on, he's such a loser. He's a failure. What a letdown. But in Luke 22, there's grace over Peter's life. There's a God that loves so much and tells him, you're not done. Church, you're not done. With your diagnosis, you're not done. With what people have said about you, you're not done. With what happened with your last marriage, you're not done. With what's happening right now, you're not done. There is a remark in the word remarkable. You're not done if Christ is living inside of you because your story is not done. If you were done, trust me, the Lord knows your end days and you would have stopped breathing and you would have been in eternity. The very fact that you are alive today is because there is still a purpose in your life today. Church, you are not done. I love that my brother said depression. Guess what? His depression would not destroy him. Why? Because God's not done. There is a remark in the word remarkable. And if the grace of God has touched my life, guess what? I'm still alive. That means what? That there's a reason why I'm here today. Tomorrow if I wake up and that alarm wakes me up, guess what? Uh Uh-oh. He decided for me to live another day. That means that there's a purpose in that day for me. I'm not a loser. I'm not a failure. And I'm not a letdown. Peter cursed the name of Jesus. And after that, he says, I'm ready to go to prison and die for you. Jesus, I've cursed you. Jesus, I've denied you. Jesus, Regal has turned his back on you. But Jesus, because of your grace, I'm ready today to go to prison and die for you. This is, this is what we see. We see later in John 21, verses 1 through 19, Jesus comes and confronts Peter, restores him. He says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Three times, do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I love you. He says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. Go ahead and feed them. Do what I've called you to do. You're not over. What are you doing fishing again? What are you doing picking up your old trade, your old habits? Go ahead and pick up the Bible. Go out to the streets and disciple and start churches. Do what I've called you to do, Peter. Feed my sheep. You're not done, church. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. You're called to be remarkable. Uh, Put that word remarkable back up on the screen. You have the word remark in the word remarkable. You have an again in you. Write this down in your notes. There is an again in me. Oh, I once used to preach. What do you mean you once used to preach? You better start preaching again. Oh, I once used to dance for the Lord. What do you mean you once used to dance? You better start dancing again for the Lord. Oh, I once used to pray for my... What do you mean you used to... There is an again in you. Why? Because there is a remark. Remarkable. Amen? And to be remarked 
is to be able to do it again, and the Lord is able. Look at that word, remarkable. There's also the word mark, and I'm going to end with this word. Mark is a visible impression or trace on something, like a line, like a cut, like a dent, like a stain, or like a bruise. I know every part of my couch that my kids have spilled some sort of juice. Who did this? There's a new stain. No, no, Dad, it was not me. No. Then why is there a stain on this side of the couch? You know what the stain does? It's an impression and a mark that something took place there. How many of you know that you've been marked by the Holy Spirit? If you've been marked by the Holy Spirit, you're not normal. You've been touched by God. There is a mark in you. Part of being not normal is living with that mark. For all you Yellowstone people, I don't know, I feel like there's like a whole phase that went on with that, but if you ever go to a farm, you'll see the cows or the horses and the cowboys burn their mark into them. You know why they burn their mark into them? So that when one of them gets lost, come on, and he goes to another farm and another cowboy finds them, and says, that's not my mark. They have to take them back to the person who is that mark belongs to. I know what it is, and you know what it is to be marked, many of you. Because you strayed. And the Lord has brought you back and says, as much as you stray away, you'll always come back. Because you've been marked by me. And the forces that are in this world are going to have to push you back to me eventually. Mark, it means that you've been touched by God and he's always left a mark on his people all throughout scripture. In the Old Testament, he marks his covenant with Abraham and Abraham's offspring, which would be the Israelites. And he tells them, every male among you must be circumcised. There's the mark in the Old Testament, men. They were to be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins and it shall be, look what he uses, a sign, a mark of the covenant between me and you. It shall be a sign. That word sign, if you look it up in its exact meaning in Hebrew, it means a distinguishing mark, a banner of remembrance. And then we read in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 2, verse 28 and 29, Paul writes how no one who is in Christ is not circumcised in the flesh, but rather they're circumcised in the heart, in the spirit. So all over Scripture... His mark is upon his people. Whether Jew, Gentile, Puerto Rican, you hear us say this all the time here. It doesn't matter what you are. I love Viking, Viking shows. I, I don't know. I wish in my other life I would have been like, yeah, I would have been a Viking if I would have been born in the... I would have been a Christian Viking. Not to pray to Odin and stuff like that. But I love to see how when the Vikings and the Saxons, they come together under Christ. In some of these shows and in some of these movies... Because the Lord doesn't care whether you're a Saxon or a Viking, a Jew or a Gentile. You're not exempt. If God, if Christ is in you, you are noticed. There is a visible impression. There is a trace that something has happened to you. You've heard me say this from this podium so many times. You will walk into eternity one day and your eyes and your heart will marvel in the people that are there. What are you doing here? And they're going to say, what do you mean? I've been marked by God. That's why I'm here. The thief on the cross, all he said was one thing, remember me today. And the Lord said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Do you know that family members of him probably saw him one day and said, what in the world are you doing here? And he's like, 
You didn't hear what I said on the cross? He marked me on the cross. I didn't have to do a thing, but my last breath, I came to trust in him. You are noticed. You have a vis visible impression. Something has happened to you. Ephesians tells us this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, look what it says. Paul writes this. You were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit is the mark. In the Greek, that means that you were stamped. If we say we're not normal, if we say that we are remarkable, then there's a visible impression. There's a trace on us. We have something to show. There's a line. There's a cut. There's a stain. There's a dent. There's a bruise. There's something that says, I've been with God. Guess what? When, Jacob's, when Jacob was dislocated, he walked the rest of his life with what? With a limp. You know why he walked with a limp? To testify, I've been marked by God. When a sheep goes astray from the shepherd, the shepherd finds him, cracks his leg, puts him on his shoulder, heals him. And that sheep will always be the one that's limping closest to the shepherd. Why? He's been marked by the shepherd. How many of you have been marked by the shepherd and you can't leave his presence because you walk different today than when you once walked before? Because you've been broken and you've been put back together by his grace. You've been marked. Amen? You're not normal. You are not normal. You have a visible impression trace on you. So I want you to Meditate on this for a moment. And I want you to think about yourself. And I want you to think about where you're at. Lord, I know that there is an again in me. And I know that there is an impression in me. There is a stamp and a seal. Holy Spirit has marked me. And now I live not normal, never the same again. I'm called to be remarkable, not to be average, common, but I'm called into a lifestyle of not normal, a spectacle to man and even to angels. So Lord, I pray for every person that's here with their story the ones that could be said and the ones that can't, the deep internal things in every single one of us. I pray that today would be a confirmation for each one that they're not normal. A confirmation for each one that just like Jacob, he wrestled, he wrestled, he wrestled. In Genesis, we see that he wrestled with you, but you won that battle and you dislocated his hip and he walked differently for the rest of his days. I pray today you would dislocate some hips, Lord. I pray that you would break some legs. Why? It's not to hurt them, but it's to better them so that they would walk differently for the rest of their lives. Starting with me, Lord. It's a dangerous prayer to pray, but starting with us. Dislocate what needs to be dislocated so that we could walk in obedience, honoring you, and that we would not be normal all the days of our lives. If you could stand with reverence before the presence of God, with me as we close up today. And today, if that's you, 
Let's sing this one last song to the Lord. We're going to sing it real quick. If the worship team can, let's see if we go right into the chorus. And, and I want you right there to come to the altar of God. As you meditate right there in your heart, think about an altar. Just lay yourself on the altar. And say, Lord, as I lay on this altar, here I am, your living sacrifice. Make me remarkable that I would be not normal and that I would be transformed from this moment forward. I want to live. I want to live this code, this value. And I want it to be a value, a code in my life that I live for and the rest of my life with. A life that is not normal. So as we worship the Lord and as we get ready just to close, can you give that heart, that part of you, all of you, give it to the Lord and let him do a miracle right there where you're at.